Take care of your property with equipment you can count on, like the Kubota BX and L01 Series compact tractors, part of our under 100 horsepower tractor lineup, rated number one for reliability, and Z-Series mowers and sidekick utility vehicles, where durability meets speed. Visit your local Kubota dealer for a demo today. Go to KubotaUSA.com for full disclaimer. Visit GoKubota.com for a dealer near you. summer with AC Pro and O'Reilly Auto Parts. Right now, get a $15 O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card after mail-in rebate with the purchase of select AC Pro ready-to-use refrigerant products that include a hose and gauge. Beat the heat before you hit the road with AC Pro at your local O'Reilly Auto Parts store. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. And welcome back to Once Upon a Timing, your podcast all about flying maps, straw dolls, and the one sword, Excalibur. And it's totally the real sword, Excalibur. Definitely, and definitely has a thing that does it. Like, we talk about it in in the fifth season or sixth season. I don't remember. I just remember when he said it, he's like, it's Excalibur. And I was like, oh, next to the round table. And I'm like, I don't remember any of this. Oh, charming. Oh, charming. Well, I am Beth El- Elderkin, and I'm joined as always by the lovely Abby. Abby, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. I feel like my brain is about to melt out of my ears, but I'm doing fine, and I'm ready to talk about this very bizarre episode. <laughs> Yes, you are back in the land of learning, Storybrooke University. I'm so excited. It's not nearly as exciting as I think Storybrooke University would be. Not a lot of tree magic um, and and swords and rocks that have a crease in them. Uh, But also, my my little baby dragon is also entering the world of learned. The public school of learned. And I, I don't understand how it happened, everyone. I don't get it. <laughs> I don't understand how. Well, Abby, you can you can return to the days of baby vicariously through 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 my baby. That sounds really weird to say. It's like, oh, I've got a little baby. I mean, you're. I mean, babies are cute, but also once they're not babies anymore, I imagine it's kind of a relief. Uh, listen, I, I've told everyone who will ever listen to people like, oh, don't worry. Once you get out of the baby stage, it's so much greater. It's like I loved baby stage. I love baby stage. They're they're little potatoes. You hold them, you put them down, you turn around to do something, you turn back around, they're still there. My son has not stayed in a single spot that I've asked him to in the last probably four years. So, <laughs> Well, I mean, mine can roll now, so uh, staying in one yeah. place, not, not, not exactly possible. Welcome to hell. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, yeah, it's just fun times. Roll away. See you later. We are talking about season three, episode two, Lost Girl. Because, you know, not, I'm not like those other girls. I, I'm a lost girl. I'm a lost girl. So fine. I, at first, I thought this was about Wendy or, like, Tinkerbell or something. Because I know that both of them come into play this season. But no, the last girl is, dun, 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 it's Emma. Emma. Were you surprised at this revelation? I was trying to figure it out when I knew, um, uh, when I, I just, I saw the title and I was like, okay, that's weird. And then I was like, which one is it? And I'm like, it can't be snow. Like the whole time I was trying to figure it out. I'm like, well, it can't be snow. And then it was realizing what pan was doing. I was like, oh, and then I was disappointed. <laughs> I was like, oh, all right. I can't. Oh, I I didn't like his plan until the very end of the episode when I when he said why he was doing it. I'm yeah. like, he's just like really extra. He he doesn't want to just ruin Emma's life. He wants to ruin it like a lot. Like he's got diabolical plans, and this his plan is legit horrible. And I kind of wonder whether it actually pays off in the end like or no let me rephrase that 
I don't know why he's doing it. Because he, he's got to have a personal reason, right? But we all know who he is. So, like, what would his reasoning be for, like, I want to make this child hate his parent? Because he's chaotic evil. Like, it's just okay. he doesn't care. Like, he's taking children who could find better, like, I mean, he would have he would have taken Emma, but he takes lost boys, obviously. And so his whole plan is just to be awful. It's just how he's coded. And so his plan for making sure that they don't come get Henry is to get inside their head. And my God, they're the easiest team to infiltrate <laughs> on the planet. It took, like, it was like, I saw Pan and suddenly there's chaos. Like, it, hysterical. They're the worst team ever in this episode. I swear, one of the Lost Boys could have just come to their team and said, I'm part of your team now. He wouldn't have even needed to introduce himself. He could have just started walking beside them. Never would have, never would have bothered. They would have just no. been fine with it. They would have been like, that's cool. And then he would have, like started making suggestions and they would have followed it. But like charming would have still just been like, uh, whatever hook just said sounds dumb. So we're not going to do it. Uh, I'm a genius who definitely ends this episode being on top and not dying. It's fine. <sighs> oh man. So we've got a lot to, uh, break down in this episode. Which, yeah, it's it's a mixed one for me. Uh, we're gonna start with, with, well, I mean, there is some ups and then there's some downs, and the whole Rumble thing is mostly a down for reasons that shouldn't surprise no one who has listened to me on this podcast literally ever. Um, so we start with Rumple. He is chilling in the woods. He takes the time needed to build a fire with the wood in a perfect spherical stack and then has a fireball. Like you did all that work. Why the fire? Like, I don't know. He just, I think he just wanted to show off for himself. Well, no one else is around. I mean, let's just say the apple doesn't fall very far from the tree. He's just extra as hell. Even if no one's watching cast magic, like somebody's watching. That's how Rumpel lives his days. <laughs> and I want to point out, two things from this scene where we see Rumple tearing off his own shadow to employ it to hide the dagger from everybody, including himself. One, I just have to say Rumple in this modified Rumple coat without the horrible makeup that I swear Rumple like that Robert Carlyle is like, you have five minutes a day to get me in this. Do the best you can. I'm going back to my trailer because I swear from here on out, it never looks good. It always looks just quickly caked on. But Rumple with his regular hair, regular face, and his modified modern Rumple coat, I dig it. I also dig it. I was worried that was going to be a hot. T I was going to give this opinion, and I was like, "Oh, I hope Beth. I hope Beth tolerates." This. I saw <laughs> your face. Just like yeah. I like it. I like it. I think this is very peak Rumple for me. Like this is. This I like because uh, it seems like they're trying to kind of put together gold and Rumple, but also for the reasons you stated, he was probably just like, if you come near me with any more glitter, I swear to God, like, <laughs> I will I will hit you with this cane. Uh, but yeah, no, I really enjoyed this. Uh, I enjoy this look. It works for him. Uh, the shadow uh, with the red eyes still doesn't work for me. Don't know why we did that. Um, it just looks weird. It does. And then the other thing that I wanted to point out is this was, so when you've got a good director, you notice when things look really good and you notice when things look off. It started in this scene where I was like, things look a little off from like, they switch between two angles with Rumple cutting off his shadow this really awkward one from underneath that's just going straight up his nose. And then an even more awkward one of him just bent over trying to like tear the shadow and going ur, 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 really <laughs> awkwardly. It never looks good. And this problem was pervasive throughout the whole episode. In my opinion, this was one of the worst directed episodes of Once Upon a Time I have ever seen. Yeah, this one was tough. And it also didn't help that the writing was not... Great. Mm -hmm. yeah. I had a couple of lines. I know I texted you one of them where you're just like, 
they she said that with her full chest and 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 everyone said yeah that's it that's the take that's great awesome there's so many of those lines where you're just like really did were you guys like pressed for time did you guys all just do like a demo read and just cut this because it just it didn't sound right and i know that these all of these actors can do so much better so maybe the writing was just cl so clunky they couldn't get around it yeah, I, I don't want to just, you know, call out every single time I saw an awkward directing moment because there were plenty. <laughs> like the fact that there were never static shots. He always had to have the camera moving just a little bit, little bit of a pan every time. Um, the fact that for some, there was just these random, like when Rumble had to pick the doll up from the ground, there's this one shot that's just this extreme Fisheye lens close-up of the doll as he's grabbing it. And I'm it like, looks we like the doll is a full-size person and he's just and then his hand reaches in and it's terrifying. Yeah, I know I know exactly what that shot was. And Ugh. then even like the the Henry, oh shit, it's pan reveal, just nothing clicked. And it was surprising to me when I looked up who the director is, because this isn't just some, it's not a newbie. And it's not just a, a TV director who goes from episode to episode. This is Ron Underwood. He has directed a lot of big movies. He directed Tremors. He directed um, City Slickers. He um, directed, shoot, what else did he do? Uh, Heart and Souls. Um, Mighty Joe Young. Like, he did a bunch of movies. He also did The Adventures of Pluto Nash. And after that... He only did TV and, and bad movies. Like, that just changed the directory of his career forever. But this is, like, an Academy-acknowledged director. And when I saw that, I was really surprised because I'm like, either he's just phoning it in and doesn't give a shit, or this is when he's way past his prime. Or, when, I mean, the first ones you mentioned, Tremors and City Slickers, there's a lot more room to move around. You're not in a jungle. So I'm wondering if there was a limitation that he wasn't really used to. I don't mm. know enough about his, his, uh, I don't know enough about his background and stuff, but like just pure conjecture based on the first two movies you put, I will speculate <laughs> there was a confined space situation going on. Mm. Uh, cause yeah, it did seem, it did seem awkward. And with the whole episode just felt like something didn't jive. It was like everybody yeah. had a different plan because like, I mean, we'll get to it. The camp scene doesn't make any sense. Like, I don't understand where this camp stuff came from and also why all of their camps look different, but we will talk about that. <laughs> like, it was just, everything about this episode just didn't feel like it gelled at all. Like, nothing sat together. Yeah. Almost like it was pieces of different episodes, like different storylines from episodes, and they just needed all of them. So, like, we're just going to throw them all into one, just get them out of the way in episode two. Yeah, which is unfortunate because, I mean, we talk about this from time to time where there's like that episode that is literally just supposed to get you from the episode before and the next episode. Like, it's just supposed to glue it together. It's not supposed to be like the Emmy-nominated episode. It's just supposed to get you from point A to point B. And sometimes those are a little bit clunky. This 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 had a really cool plot point in it that just gets kind of, I guess we'll explore it later, but they just sort of flunk get in there and you're like, oh, okay. And and we'll talk about it. I don't think that the uh, past scene ever really resolved itself. So that's where I'm at. Oh, you mean uh, the story between Snow and Charming? Yeah, I don't think that that resolved. I think that they tried to resolve it. I'm like, that's not the end. No, I don't. This. No. <laughs> yeah, we got. I got questions because Charming, he might actually be a gold digger. We never I know. know. Oh, never God, know. I love it. Anyway, so. Yes. So Rumple, hey, has <laughs> back to the land. He has sent his dagger away and he's got the little straw doll. And lo and behold, somebody snatches it. Somebody in a long cloak. It could only be one thing. A lost teen who has just come back to bully Rumpelstiltskin some more. Because what else are they going to do? They're kind of bored. They're on an island by themselves. But no. It's... What is this exactly? It's Rumple having a crisis of conscience, I guess. I I don't know what this is. It's it's you can never figure it out. It's Belle in her Belle outfit. But she has the memories of 
current times without Rumple in Storybrooke being like, yeah, we're totally cool. The spell worked. We're fine. It's great. What do you need? So it's most likely it is Rumple having it basically creating a ghost life coach, which is how I described it to Abby in her text messages, who is there to, for no other reason than to help guide Rumple on his way. Because what is Belle, if not a, a blank shell of a person that Rumple can project his own needs onto and have them bounce back to him. This is the epitome of his relationship with Belle. And I, I should respect it if it were aware of that, but it is not. Oh no, it's, it's completely unaware of what it's doing. Yeah. They definitely bring it, bring in this, this version of bell because a, they need to make sure that they have, <laughs> they have her here. They're like, we can't just leave her in Storybrooke and there's no reason for us to go back to Storybrooke. So let's just make him have like a crisis moment and bring her mentally here, I guess. Uh, but also, yeah, the only reason bell exists for Rumpel is because, he needs someone to voice his thoughts out to because as a as a character, which is the way that they formed him, before Belle shows up, he doesn't talk about his motives. Mm-hmm. He doesn't talk about what his plans are. He does to Belle. So when he's alone in the jungle and they have no one around, he's not going to just talk to himself. He's not going to, you know, pray or he's not going to have a crisis and shout to the skies. So they need to put in some sort of weird, like, ghost scarecrow, or ghost, um, bell scarecrow, and have him just talk at her and explore his crisis because he's, he's coming to crisis. Like, it's, it's getting very real. We still don't know why. I mean, we know why. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as the show, you're just like, oh, this, he's just Rumple having a freak out because of this weird little straw dog that can't be destroyed or thrown away. It cannot. This thing is following him and hunting him and taunting him because Belle, through her infinite wisdom of just being a reflection of Rumple, helps him to... And their interactions were just so bad. She's just like, he's choking her and she's just fine with it. He, she's just like, what do you need? What do you mean? What do I need? What do, you, what do you think I mean? What do you think you need? Like, there, it's just this really weird rep, back and forth repartee that just represents that bad writing that you were talking about. This episode does, has mixed writing. Like, it has some good moments, good dialogue moments that I really liked as some yeah. bad ones. I do like the idea that, like, <laughs> like the idea that he's just, like, having a really strong imagination moment about his girlfriend that he's left behind. Uh, like in a different world like she'd just be like clad in a bikini just being like tell me about your feelings you're so handsome I have never loved anybody as much as I loved you what do you need like just like this weird disgusting version of the person he likes loves I guess uh but yes I this whole thing like that's basically it I like that he gets bullied by an actual inanimate object like it's a little point for the the old rumple rump rumpmeister rumpster (laughs) yeah because he tries to throw it away it comes bouncing back he tries to burn it it comes back he 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 has to um save it from the fisheye lens of of directorial choices and nothing he and my fate but my favorite is when he tosses it over the cliff and you just see the little doll go and then it goes and then lands right back in his face i was just like special effects in this episode are choices I I do like that he lit it on fire, but then because he's a good Boy Scout, he put it out immediately. Like, aha, okay, you burned. All right. Leave no trace. Stomp, stomp, stomp. Like, I'll put it out before it's actually burned. Stomp, stomp, stomp. Now, before we go into all the other Neverland adventures, we're going to go into one in our, our past story, which, Abby, if it has connections to the one we're dealing with right now. I'd like to know what you think they are because I cannot figure it out for the life of me how these two storylines are thematically linked. I, as far as I can tell, this is probably just what Snow White is thinking about, Mary Margaret is thinking about, and thinking that it's somehow 
is is applicable to Emma's situation. That's the only rational thing I can think of because it genuinely thinks like like the way they cut it, it makes it seem like this is where Mary Margaret's brain is of I once had to figure out who I really was. Maybe if I hide a sword in a stone, Emma will be able to see the map. I don't I don't know. So back in the before four times, we cut to the beginning episode, the first shot, the charming running up open a casket and and he kisses her and she wakes up and it's a wonderful moment and then we get a nice little cameo of Sydney's back yes uh, he is being run down the dorm uh uh well I was about to say dormitory sorry college brain uh no dormitory yeah halls what it doesn't matter and he's just like if you drop me so help me like what are you gonna do man you're a man in glass can well, he, I'll say he can go into literally any mirror he wants. Like, this does He's not like, make this a is difference. His, this is his favorite mirror. This is the good one. <laughs> I mean, uh, it does have all the... It looks like a mix of Medusa and branches. Like, it gives him good hair day. It looks nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, Speaking <laughs> of good hair days. Dude, Regina's hair in this episode is... Like, the only person that came to work uh, this entire shot, uh, this entire shooting for this episode, was the hairdresser. Like, for her and Emma. Uh, so she, she's just standing there like with her apple tree, her emotional support apple tree. And (laughs) she's like, I told you never to bother me here. And he's like, you think you're mad at me now? Just wait. And shows her that, you know, charming has woken her and be like, it turns out a true love's kiss could have break the curse. Mm." Like he's taunting her. And it's so funny. (laughs) She's like, Ooh, didn't work for you. Did it, did it. Mm." She's like, yeah, this is, um, not, the Sydney, we've the love sick Sydney that we've seen before, but it's also a Sydney I really enjoy. That said, the thing I want to point out is really funny is we only get a shot of him from far away because I'm pretty sure, like, in he's bald, and I don't know if he's ever was he bald before or no, no, he had a little bit of hair. Yeah, no, but he was bald, and, and I think maybe he had changed his hair for another role or something, well, so they, like, kind of moved him. <laughs> they, they filmed him from a distance. Well, they also never really showed him close up, so I have a feel like they like you said, but I have a feeling it was also because he was probably somewhere else. So it was just get him in front of a green screen uh, and make him record these lines in a, in a, in a sound booth, and we'll kind of mix it to the best of our abilities. Uh, or they just mixed old footage and then just made him say the tape, say the lines because yeah, he probably just went in there, said the lines and didn't even think about the fact that he wasn't supposed to sound as sassy as he did. <laughs> so we then cut to, uh, again, the hairdresser showed up for Regina and Emma alone. Snow's hair, this wig looks like it was being kept in sofa cushions. Mm-hmm. What's happening here? Why is the crazy lady trying to stir up a coup? She's just like, are we going to let him, are we going to let her kick us around? There's not really any noise right away. And then like charming sitting like on a barrel. Yeah. Then they all cheer. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 16 people. This was a funny scene because, you know, she's rallying the the villagers. We're mad, right? Yeah, we're mad. We're not going to take it right. So let's fight her. Uh, I got a place to be. I'm mad. I am also mad. Let's do something. Yeah, let's let have you do something. Sign well, we're a gonna petition. Go, we're going to go to war. Oh, hey, I got Pilates tomorrow. I, I paid for all the classes up front and I don't get refunds. I don't get to. No, 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 no. You don't understand. And so they're like, no, it's just going to be great. And then like Regina shows up and they all run. Like, it's like, yeah, this is quite the squadron you've been assembling here. Snow. And then, and in it, I really no, you're fine. You're fine. Go ahead. In addition to the hair team, Regina's costume team also showed up because her outfits. Regina's hair in this scene is my like, this is probably a very top 10 moment for me. I don't, it's the, it's the asymmetry, it's the height. The fact that she can pull off this hairdo without looking ridiculous is crazy to me. With a feather collar and a, what can only be described as Marie Antoinette, 18th century giant hoop skirt thing that goes from, you know, left to right, 
further than her arm length. In fact, I'm pretty sure, Abby, I'm going to show you my little pop-up doll. I think yeah. it's actually that outfit. It looks very similar. Yeah. Yeah. It looks very, I'm pretty sure it's this outfit. Like, she looked fantastic. The only caveat was her lipstick. They made weird lipstick choices. They were t a little too much of a, a pink-orange yeah. It didn't go with her face or her coloring, and it did not go with her outfits. So I don't know who chose that or why. Everything else, top notch. They, like, couldn't find a lipstick. She's like, I've got one in my purse. And they're like, cool. Uh, but no, yeah, she and, and plus it just looks even better because she's just standing on a dirt street. Mm -hmm. So it's just like everything around her is just brown and kind of, and then she just shows up looking like she's ready for, like, the Met Gala. She's like, I heard the theme was being extra as hell, and I'm here she looked great so she just sits there and just starts taunting snow and she's like i have an idea instead of having these people who kind of suck fight me which they shouldn't how about you just give up everything in front of everyone and go live on a farm with your boyfriend that's probably a better plan and you should definitely do that the whole time she's like systematically like uh putting ropes around charming and then putting a rope in his mouth and then like forcing him down. Like she's just like, nope, nope, you're not allowed to talk because <laughs> Snow White does not have any confidence unless her uh, Prince Charming is talking. So he has to be over here and tied up. She's just like, oh no, because she threatens to for every day that she does not uh, concede, she will kill one random villager and then does threaten to kill some random uh, person behind a barrel and then Snow, Braveheart war cries sword above her head and just goes running. Yeah, for Weird some choice. reason, she only responds with just scream sword chopping, even though she doesn't really show aptitude for the sword. She shows aptitude for the bow and arrow. You think that she would actually go for that first, like... Th this whole, ah, I'm coming at you is not a good strategy. When you know exactly what she's going to do, because then she does it. Poof, purple, purple cloud. She moves and she just goes, ah, uh, you know, they're like, oh my gosh, she did. And it's like, no, she's just alive. She's fine. And she goes, well, the next one won't be so lucky. <laughs> and so... We we cut to like Snow knowing the reality of the situation. She's not going to kill a random peasant. She's going to come for somebody that she knows, probably a dwarf. <laughs> and most of the dwarfs are fine with it. Sneezy, most of the dwarfs are like easy with an exception, though. Yeah, it's just Sneezy's just like I'm sorry. What's happening now? Uh, they're like we are, we agreed to lay our life down, Sneezy. When did we do this? Was I sneezing when it happened? And Charmy's like, no, you have to have your crown. You have to have your crown. Then suddenly the dwarves are suspicious. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. This was my favorite part of the episode. And you're right. It never gets resolved. This is open-ended. Charming's this... actions fully support the theory that he is a gold digger. I wish that this was a the longest plot line available. I wish we had to explore this for seasons at a time. This is my favorite thing ever. The grumpy just staring at him, squinty eyed, just like, I'm on to you. I'm on to you. <laughs> no thanks. Because uh, Snow is just defeated. She's like, no, I don't want it. I don't want people to die. I don't think I want to be queen. Which, you know what? That's an okay feeling to have. Because you know what sucks? That much power if you don't want it. She just wants to, like... I don't know. I think she just wants to be like, she just wants to sit down. She wants to slow down for a, for a second. She's been on the run her entire life. She finally got her boyfriend back. She died for a while. She's back. She's just tired. She's just tired, man. I get it. Sometimes you're just done. And, you know, as even Rumpel points out, Regina's plan is fair. Like, she tells Snow, I tried to kill you. Didn't work. I tried to poison you. Didn't work. Tried to get you out of the way. Didn't work. You know the best plan? For you to be alive and slightly content and out of my way. So here's here's another uh, here's another storyline that I don't know if gets resolved. It doesn't get resolved in this episode. I don't know if it gets resolved any further. But Snow's choice here, or Charming's choice here to push Snow 
keeps them from going off into a like going off into a little cottage on a farm somewhere and having Emma away from all of this and getting to keep her. Because because they power through this, Regina makes a dark curse and that's what separates Emma from her parents. Emma is an orphan because of this decision. I hadn't even thought about that. Boom. That's This is what my problem was. Mm. This doesn't get resolved and it annoys the shit out of me. Because this is the this is the parting of the timelines here. They chose power over family. Correct. And again, yet another thing that never gets resolved is the fact that whether he's a gold digger or power hungry and whether or not Snow is as well, who knows? But yeah, he goes to Rumple and Rumple's just like, I can't give you anything. Like nothing's going to make her come out of whatever funk she's in and make her see her true potential. Like that's not a thing that you can do. She doesn't have the heart of the truest believer. I think we're seeing a theme here. Yeah. She doesn't have the heart of the truest believer. That's down the family tree line a little yeah, bit. Yeah, a couple generations. A couple generations away. So so there's a, like a hard cut. And then you get to Charming and Teddy. there's like, listen, I went and talked to Rumble. Here's the deal. We have to go. It's a day. It's a half a day's ride. There's a weapon that will stop Regina and we have to go. And she's just like, you know, fine, I guess. I'm not even going to ask what the weapon is until we get closer. So they get closer and then Charming, this, this annoyed me mostly for different reasons, but he's like tying up his horse very closely to a pine tree. That poor horse's face is just in pine. <laughs> just, <laughs> I just want to eat some grass, man. Why is it scratching me? It's awful. And she's just like, wow, this is like the first time that we've really been alone since the curse. And he's like, yep, anyway, it's over there. Charming. <laughs> Get it together. Dude, Snow, Snow maybe wanted to uh, have a maybe 20 minute detour. You just, know what? And it doesn't have to be long. Just, you know, it, it's just a natural way to lift your spirits. But no, Charmy's like, no, it's over here. I think, I guess. I definitely didn't. Just don't look at those footsteps. I, it's over here. <laughs> so they go over there and he's like, it's Excalibur. From the uh, King Arthur and his round table. And from the Camelot. Only the co- true queen of uh, this place can pull it. It's amazing. Don't worry about the whole King Arthur thing. And she's just like, oh my God. I'm going to go do it. I'm going to go pull well, it. And then just like it well, falls for- out into her hand, basically. <laughs> well, first Charming tries to pull it out, but it's like the most fake. Oh, like when my, okay. So my, my baby dragon, he has a Mjolnir. He has Thor's hammer. Aww. I love doing that. I love just like, like he'll throw it and I'll catch it. And I'll just like hit the ground. Like, Whoa! <laughs> like it's my favorite <laughs> fake thing to do. But again, he is a five-year-old and it's a fun game. <laughs> this is the meanest thing I've ever seen. He's like, oh, oh, I can't believe bullet. I guess I'm not the true ruler of the Enchanted Forest. Maybe you should give it a try. It's really in there. <laughs> it's like, God. <sighs> she, she pulls it out and she, the look on her face, like, listen, if I got tricked this way, if someone was like, no one can pull the sword out and then I pulled the sword out, I also would feel invincible. <laughs> Oh my god, I have been chosen. This is this is it. This is my religious moment. This is it. I am the one. You I am the main character. Finally. So she decides to take on Regina with this random sword that Charming found somewhere. That and she does the exact same thing as last time and manages to nick Regina's face, and that's all the proof Snow needs that this was magic and it worked. I cut she I drew I cut her and she drew I drew blood magic it's like no blood vessels um so she's just like finally I can do this I have Excalibur and then like the dwarves are like kind of on board with this they're like yeah let's go get drunk with this dude like he was on on point Rumple shows up to ruin all the fun <laughs> and he's just like girl honey no <laughs> no I didn't I didn't give him anything. Yeah, well, cause Snow summons him because she wants to pay the price that Charming oh, that's promised. Right. I was like, why did he show up? Yeah. Yeah. Does and that, he's just like, like yeah. what are you talking about? No, I, I whole, sent him away. This whole scene. And I like it's it's so heavy-handed and ham-fisted, or whatever you want to call it. 
And I think it's because she was trying to play it being like haughty and just drunk on power because she's like, I will pay his debt. I'm the chosen one. I hold Excalibur. (laughs) And he goes, what? And she goes, I drew Excalibur from the sword. And this is what I texted you in the alternating capitals, lowercase letters, because she just holds it out like a lunatic who's never held a sword before. She just holds it like parallel to the ground and just in front of her. And she's like, what did she say? I possess it now. I can't even say it the way she said it. I had to stop the show for a second to text you. <laughs> just, I possess it now. D- okay. He's like, okay. And then he just disintegrates. <laughs> He's like, that's Excalibur. That's not it. it. Like, once upon a time doesn't often have legit funny scenes. That's not what the show is about. This was legit funny. This was hysterical. She was just so... in Just... Everything in 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 the middle of her was just bursting with pride. She's like, I did it. I pulled it from the sword, and then he just whoop, whoop, waved it away. So now she's mad, and, and he and takes she- her necklace because he's like, I do need payment for wasting my time. <laughs> you called me. You tried to tell me this weird, awful story. I didn't believe it. I'm super bored, so I'm just taking this from you. It's like, again, extra is all hell, and he leaves. So as Charming is about to toast to the dwarves in agreement that he is not a gold digger, he doesn't quite get the cheers out before she drags him away. So again, completely unresolved because now all the dwarves are mad again. (laughs) Just like, "Mm." And she gets mad at him for a second and then just seemingly forgives him. Yeah, I didn't like this. This this I was mad because I was waiting. Like when the credits rolled, I was legit going, wait a minute. There's a scene missing because she's just like, you uh, put a fake sword in a stone to to make me realize that I wanted to be queen. Yeah. Oh, my God. So cute. Thank you. I love you. It's like, no, that's weird. I don't like this. <laughs> this isn't the end, is it? Oh, it's the end. That's it. Yeah. yeah but I mean, if you if you think about it for a few seconds, you moment, it's moments like this that uh, you re- you make you recognize the. Um, uh, the bad parts of the Charming's modern day personalities, because this kind of thing, if Snow takes that lesson from it, of course she's going to be toxic positivity and just telling Emma, it's okay, you'll get it eventually. You'll get it. Someone's going to pretend to put your personality that you have to believe in yourself in a rock and you'll find it. Um, yeah, like, and... and I'm of the mind, I all, all the main characters and all the heroes in, in shows and stuff, they don't have to be perfect. But again, I wish they would acknowledge that what they're doing is not great. Mm-hmm. And it never seems like they quite understand that the Charmings also kind of suck. There's never a, let's explore the middle ground. There's no, it's like, they're over here and Regina's clawing her way to get there. No one can live in the middle, apparently. And the only way that they can is by putting a literal dark spot on Snow's heart because it can't be her fault. It has to be um, magical circumstances seemingly outside of her control. Yep. Anywho, we're going to travel back to Neverland with our wonderful team of um, jungle adventurers adventuring in the land. And yes, Emma did have wonderful hair. But they are all in a tropical environment, and yet none of them are having humidity. I call shenanigans. I just, I love the idea that it's just like, it's a jungle. There's zero humidity. What? Because her hair is down the whole time. They've got to be like sweating and being covered in mosquito bites this whole time. Like, I know it's magical fairy tale land. Mm Mm-hmm. But listen, ecosystems have to exist, okay? And so, like, there's the one scene where she's sitting on the rock with the map in her hand and, the, like, her hair down. I'm like, wow, she looks great. Not me. My hair would have been, like, up in some sort of messy bun that I couldn't quite make work. But, like, five hours later, it's just, like, mm-hmm. flyaways just everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, so they're they're looking for Henry. They're combing the island. And um, Hook is just remarking, hey, you know, things are looking different now. You know, there's, there's dark forest. It's darker now. And Charming, for some reason, I don't know what, what the actor was into that week, but every other scene, he has his sword and he does that spin thing with it. 
Did you notice that? Every time he needed to use it for anything, he's like, I'm not just going to hack with it. I'm going to spin and hack it. It it doesn't give you... It doesn't help you, Charming. Listen, this 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 only solidifies our theory. Our very unfounded theory that Josh Dallas was somehow very intimidated by the bringing of <laughs> Colin O'Donoghue. Because he's just like, we're going to have a cut be on your arm. No. I want it on my chest. So I can show everybody my pecs. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I'm going to spin my sword a bunch because I'm a man. It's, again, it is all fun, but it's just, I thought about that very specifically on this episode, especially mm-hmm. when we saw his cut at the end. But yes, because he's just not on board with en- literally anything Hook says. Hook would be like, the sky is up and Charming would be like, I do not believe you. <laughs> and then in the middle of this, so they decide to make camp. Because they, because this whole forest is just giant towers of ho- of housing that are seemingly miles on the air, and then forest in the ground that's seemingly under and the the topography of this land is very confusing, and I don't understand how anyone gets anywhere. It seems like it's just a bunch of beans, uh, wood, sorry, a bunch of stone beanstalks in the air. How did the Lost Boys get around? Beth, let me tell you something about 16 and 17-year-old boys. They don't sleep. They have boundless amounts of energy. And they're angry all the time. So they need to just, like, the only way to go to bed is to climb, like, the equivalent of Mount Everest to get to their tiny hut and then cry themselves to sleep. Like, this is nightmare fuel. Like, this is this is where dreams go to die. Uh, it's also maybe flying. Do they fly? Is that a thing? Like, I don't... They don't. Only, kind only of? the okay. truest believers can. With their little pixie dust. Yeah. So, so yeah, like, I was also thinking about that because they're like, oh, this is the center. We have to go around the center. And it's like, oh, it's going to take a couple of episodes. But don't worry, we, we end up in the center very quickly. Oh, it takes no time whatsoever. No time. Uh, but the, So they make camp and Emma wakes up in the middle of the night to hear the sounds of crying sad children. And she goes, hey, mom, dad, do you hear the crying sad children? No, they are blissful as can be. They are sleeping like babies. No one can hear the sad children except for someone who used to be a sad child. Only sad children can hear other sad children, which Mm -hmm. is a commentary I didn't think we needed. Um, Well, yeah, and this is the part where I didn't understand their little camps because, like, Regina was, like, sleeping under something. The Charmings had, like, this weird tent situation going on emma just sleeping in open air but all of them had this perfect rectangle they were sleeping within and also sleeping bags and what looked like mattresses like where was this none of you were carrying packs (laughs) what's happening right now i don't understand and why did you make the little squares are there bears anywhere maybe we should have some sort of you know what who knows where was hook sleeping i don't did i see hook sleeping He's just like hanging upside down in a tree like a bat. I don't. He's hanging from his hook. He's hanging just. <laughs> um, it's good for yeah, strength. Good stretch in the back. So she gets up and does what everyone's supposed to do in the middle of the night: wander off alone into the dark jungle. Yeah. After half, you know, half-assedly calling for her parents and being like, "Hey, you awake? Yeah. Bye. Are you awake? No, they're not awake. I can go." Um. <laughs> And so she goes in to loan into the woods and there, lo and behold, comes across Peter, Peter Pan, because that's how every person introduces themselves with a new person. But Pan is, like we said, extra. So we shouldn't be surprised. And the scene is weird, but also I kind of liked it. I have mixed, I have weird feelings about this scene because... Normally, when Once Upon a Time does these kind of scenes of Emma with the villain and the villains, like, I've got a dastardly plan that you have to do and you have no choice. I hate it and I think it's stupid. But I don't know. Like, there's just something about Pan I'm digging more than I did before. Guys, I get it. This Pan's worked for me. This this scene did work for me because I, I it, for whatever reason, like, I believed Emma in this because usually Mm -hmm. you know how it was like before especially like season one where you're just like emma get there faster like believe what's being told to you but like pan understands why she is not believing because what she's saying is not about what she's fighting against is nothing crazy she's just like 
I, there's no reason I should believe you because he's just like, listen, here's a piece of paper. It's coming after Henry. You can find him. Like, it's just like the simplest agreement in the entire world. She's like, this is insane. I would be insane to believe you. And he's like, why? It's a great plan. It's an amazing plan. It's the best plan I've ever had. And she's like, no, this is stupid. He's like, anyway, see you later. Like it made sense why she was brush brushing against it or wrestling against it. But it also like, it gave that actor time to flex with pan a little bit. And again, I'm with you. I liked it. I'm glad he wasn't doing like the weird, like Kubrick stare. He was doing last episode. <laughs> just I'm evil. He was just being his evil, tall self. He's like the tallest child I've ever seen. <laughs> And one thing I did like about their interaction was a lot of times when you have the villain coming across the hero like this, they have the line of, I wanted to see what the, all the fuss was about. And they usually follow it with, I'm disappointed. But no, he was like, I see it. I get it. He's kind of hitting on her a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. But I, I, I agree with you. I do like that where they're just like, I wanted to see it. Wow. Okay. I get it. Ooh. Like. Uh, it's funny. And a big thread through um, through this whole storyline is, um, you know, Emma coming to terms with who she really is. Because the map will only reveal Henry's location to her if she recognizes and acknowledges who she truly is. And this is kind of prefaced and, and, um, and teased out by... Emma and Mary Margaret having conversation where Emma's still calling her Mary and and she's like, you know, you can like you can call me mom. And she's like, No, no, I, I that was only when when we were dying and and Mary Margaret is just like, Yeah, I get it. It's cool. She does not get it. She is heartbroken. Yes. She is demolished, and I get it. Oh yeah. Well, I also like that like that causes her to almost double down on being toxically positive because for the rest of the episode, she is no farther than four feet from Emma at any given time, sitting on some sort of stump going, you can do it. You're doing so great. You're doing amazing, sweetie. <laughs> oh, it's great. And Emma goes through, you know, goes through the motions. She She's saying out loud who she is, what's happened to her. And this is kind of the first time that she has verbally acknowledged all the shit that she went through. Mm-hmm. And that I felt was, this was a good scene. I thought this was a really good scene because you could see the strain on Emma's face being like, I was put in a wardrobe and I was sent to another realm to save my family from a curse. I grew up in the foster system. I was alone. Like she's going through all these things. Acknowledge did she say that? She did. Did she say the foster part? Yeah. Okay. I feel like I missed the foster part. Oh, I thought she maybe, gl- maybe she, she glossed say- it a little bit. I think she glossed it a little bit. She glossed over it, but I, I know it was acknowledged in a way like that. She grew up alone and then she came back to save them from the curse because she was the savior. I believe she alluded to, she went into much more detail later on. though. Right. I just think she kind of glossed it where she was just like, I was put in a wardrobe to come here. I was put in a wardrobe by myself to come here. Like, I think it was like, just a little bit lampshaded of just being like, she's deflecting the part where she's alone because everyone's staring at her because then she also stumbles over why she's like, and then anyway, I lived in a really rad apartment and I was a bail bonds person. And also she's the sheriff in a moment that made me laugh where Regina's like, that was rigged. I love it. It was a sham. Like it was just a sham. It's just like, Oh, don't be like that. Regina. You're the sham mayor. You can't, you're not one to talk. Yeah, it was just like, don't don't start bringing in your cyber ninjas to audit the results. Get out of here. No one wants to hear about it, Regina. Freaking truther. And yeah, she's just, <laughs> she's just like, yeah, and also I'm the... And then I love that they're fumbling over Savior. She's like, you know, the S word. <sighs> savior. Because <laughs> I'm Savior, yes. And then they wait. They say it, and then there's like the... the I love that the music does the pump fake on this one, where it's like, yeah. me, 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 me. Yeah, because this is not what the map is looking for. The map isn't looking for her to say that she's the savior. She's been there, done that. Uh, and and at this point, Regina is very impatient in this episode. She has no time for no one because she's, I get it. She wants to get to Henry and she also wants to, I think, make sure she is involved in the process of getting to Henry. Like, I, I think there are times where she's feeling excluded because mm-hmm. she is. 
And so anytime there's a moment where she can take action, like with the mermaid or in this case with the map, I think she's jumping in and taking it, not just because she's impulsive, but also because when Henry is rescued, she wants to make sure she can say, I played a part in that. I helped save you because I'm your mother. Yeah. Because there's some, you know, there's some competition going on between Regina and Emma and you know, eventually that that they come to an understanding. Uh, sadly, it wasn't one the shippers wanted, but alas, what are we <laughs> going to do? And so Regina decides to turn the map into a homing beacon, even though everyone and their hook-related friends are like, um, if you don't follow Pan's games and you use magic in particular, he's not going to like it and he might kind of retaliate. Just say so. And Regina's like, here, Emma, lead based on this thing I'm making you do. So so let's not also gloss over the fact that Hook was just 100% this whole episode. Mm-hmm. I loved mm-hmm. Hook's energy from start to finish because he was a ver- immediately aggravated with Charming. But every once in a while, he got to say something quippy and just be like, see, we are getting along. And then he would... He said something really saucy to Emma, too. Hook is, you know, flirting with Emma and they're doing another callback to the whole movies thing because he's like, oh, there's a story about Peter Pan in your world? And he's an innocent little boy? Oh, well, I must be the uh, debonair, handsome pirate. And she's just like, no, you have a perm and a weird, and a weird, like, spindly mustache. It's, you know, in reference to the animated movie. And he's like... Oh, so perms are bad now, huh? Yeah, I don't know what that is, but I'm mad that you're talking shit about him. Because uh, then, yeah, he he says something else to her with the map. I can't remember if it's before or after the map is revealed, but he does say something like they're really close to each other. And he's just like, I'd love to figure out who you actually are. And she's like, anyway, and he just keeps walking. Uh, uh, yeah, they're yeah, starting no. to uh, lay the breadcrumbs. Uh, out for for this for this ship. I think they're trying to set up a love triangle with Hook uh, and this Neil. Was, this was Pika, Twilight, uh, mm. YA, love triangle, Hunger Games times, man. Like, there needs to be two boys. I mean, is yeah. it even a story if there's not two boys, Beth? Well, and one of them has to be bad. One of them has to black. be a bad boy, a bad boy. Well, they decide to follow the flying, floating magic map to Henry's location. And there he is on the top of the hill. It's totally Henry. It's Henry. He's got the scarf and the jacket. Oh, dun, dun, dun. The, the, the drama in this. Was there anyone who looked at this scene and was like, yes, we need this much level of surprise. I, I love... I, what I thought of is this 30 Rock joke that I've always, that I loved was just like, well, 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 Lemon, I knew you'd come here. Oh my God, how did you know it was me? Uh, admittedly, I've done that to the last 16 people that have come by. Like, I like the idea that he just like kept hearing st- like twigs crack and stuff and then Pan would turn around. Da-ha! Oh, they're not here. And so he turned back around. Oh, it's a Felix. Yeah, I just, oh, it's a bunny. Yeah, Felix, stop it. Stop it. So Felix is there with a slingshot. Pew. <laughs> he turned around again. <laughs> <laughs> the lost teens are such shits. <laughs> well, speaking of lost teens, uh, Pan is upset that Emma did not play the rules of his game. And Henry is still, of course, nowhere to be found because this is not where the map was supposed to lead them. It's supposed to, he's in somewhere else and he's doing his own thing. But meanwhile, we've got a bunch of lost boys who are getting ready to fight, and they have a fight with a bunch of children. Uh, with swords and arrows. And Let's fight they, with children. Yay. And they it ends. Sure all, they're all non-lethal, but, you know. Yeah. Could have been bad. Could have I mean, two of them had a sword. But yeah, so it was, you know, they do that, but then it ends because Pan gets exactly what he wants out of that fight. Yes, but not before we get a Rufio reference. We do get, oh, we did get that. I forgot that that existed, and I did, I, I was, it was a double take moment. I was like, oh, ooh, I like it. 
and Emma tackles a, uh, a, a lost teen to the ground, but he's got the lost eyes of a sad orphan boy. And so Emma lets him escape. And then we get a very touching scene between Snow and um, Emma, which, according to my trivia, was originally supposed to be between Emma and Hook. Oh, and then they decided what? on the day that they would put in snow. And I'm like, well, that was a much better choice because you needed this to be a mother and daughter moment. Having it between her and Hook would have been really stupid. It would have been really awkward or also really cemented. Like that wouldn't have been breadcrumbs. That would have been the whole loaf. It was just like swinging a bag of Wonder Bread. They're together. Like that. It would mm-hmm. or it would have sucked. It would have just fallen apart very quickly because it, it wasn't the right thing. Uh, but yeah, I like this moment. Yeah, because Emma is admitting who she really is to her mother. She's saying, I am an orphan. Yes, you are my parents, and I know you love me, and I love you, but that is my identity. I lived alone. I grew up alone. I was abandoned by you. And I really, really appreciated Jennifer Goodwin's acting in this scene because she is trying to be a good mom to her daughter and is just listening to her and acknowledging her feelings because they're valid, but you can see on her face, this is eating her up inside and it is destroying her. Well, because this is this, when she made that decision, she was obviously heartbroken to give, put Emma in that wardrobe, but it was like, it was a snap, not really a snap decision, but it was a decision she made under duress. And she, again, with her toxic positivity, thought that she could just like reconnect with Emma and make it better and thought that like just love bombing her would make it, make it happen. It's just like, you don't get a year and a half to undo 28 years of being alone. Like you can't undo not having parents. And growing up in the foster system and what we know and what we will know soon about what she went through. She didn't have a good life. And it was at the the expense of her being able to free all of these people. And Emma's rightfully still pretty embittered about it. Because she could have mm-hmm. just been with her parents in, in the curse. Let's never break the curse. We could have still maybe been together or something. Or maybe on that farm, if if Snow and yeah. Charming had decided to relinquish the throne. But apparently Charming is just that desperate for leadership. Gold digger Charming is my new favorite theory. <laughs> uh, so they, the map is unlocked and it shows the location to Henry, but it's going to take a while to get there. But before they can start their journey, the episode ends with Pan showing up and congratulating Emma. You have, you did it. You figured out you're sad. Good yeah. for you. Hey, you unlocked your trauma. We're so happy. Yeah. And we, we get two reveals in this. One, that Pan's goal is for Emma to find Henry. But by the time she finds him... He will not want to go with her. That is his dream. His dream is <laughs> really messed up. He's like, no, no, I, I don't want to keep Henry from you. I want Henry to not want to be with you anymore. And in addition, you know, you feel like an orphan. You didn't grow up with parents. You don't feel like you have parents. Yet you'll never have parents. I'm going to murder them and you're going to be an orphan again. And as that happens, we get the reveal of Charming's peck and he has been sliced with a little arrow and he's got that uh, poison, the dream shade poison that uh, Hook had warned him about during one of uh, Charming's many jaunts through the forest with his spinning sword. Huh. If only someone would have warned him about this. Hmm. If only they would have listened to the one person. All of this could have been absolutely avoided. Oh, well. (laughs) Yeah, that's one of the big problems in this episode. And I'm curious to see if it actually gets resolved. Is that they have with them a guide who is the expert in this land. He lived there for decades. He knows this place inside and out. And yet, for some reason, no one wants to listen to him. Well, because he's a bad guy. He bad guy. He bad guy. We can't listen to bad guy. 
But then uh, why is he with you at all? I I love it because that's how he like, like he was like, listen, I'm the one that can take you there. And then guess what he does? He takes them there. And then he tells them not to do a bunch of stuff. And then they do all that stuff. And now the ship is basically wrecked. So they're on a, on the land. So he tells them not to do a bunch of stuff. Then they do all that stuff. And now they're even more screwed than before. And now Charming's probably dying. Huh. Huh. If only we wouldn't have made a thousand mistakes all at once. Damn. Oh, Charmings. We're getting, we're getting to peak Charmings. I believe yeah. if I remember anything about the season correctly, we are getting like peak. Because they start kind of just getting relinquished to the background to be just like hype squad towards the end of just like, there's nothing else they want to explore. Just them forgetting that they have another child. Um, but like, this is peak them exploring characters that they don't know how to get themselves out of their own box. So I'm very excited to see how this goes. Yeah. And that was season three, episode two, lost girl. We have our lost girl. And um, we're going to have to see if she's found. I feel like this whole episode could have like a bingo card that we could use for the rest of the season of, does this get resolved? <laughs> and, it's, and we'd never win. It would be a game we could never win. Oh my God, Regina. Uh, Abby, I have to tell you something. So I was looking at did the Did you just mistake my name for Regina? Because 10 out of 10. What? I did. Well, it's about, this is about Regina. Uh, so, you know, I showed you my little Funko doll. Uh-huh. Of Regina with Fireball. Yeah. I, I'm going to put a picture of it in the Facebook group. Uh, this is actually from this episode. <gasps> it this is? Was yeah, this was, this was actually a Funko Pop that was modeled after Regina's look in this episode in particular. That's what it says in the set notes. That's how fire this look was. They were like, this is it. This is the doll. Amazing. Yes, although it doesn't have her, um, it doesn't seem to have the the um, the feather the feathers, but it does have her legit bomb hair that I know. Uh, well, I mean, adding the feathers would be easy. Get a glue gun and go to Michael's. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um. So overall, I mean, I, I, I there's pieces in this episode that are good, but overall, I just thought this wasn't a very good one, and. I it was really hampered down by poor writing, poor writing choices, and even worse directorial choices that I could not look past. Yeah, it's just overall kind of a blah episode for me. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, like you like you said, there's some bright spots. I like the idea of like Emma exploring the fact that she is an orphan because like for the last two seasons we've been powering through. Emma is the end all be all of everything. So I like I, like making her confront something that she's actively avoided even before the curse showed up. Like it's mm -hmm. something that she prided herself on. She's like, no, I'm so strong because I was so alone. But at no point was she just like, Oh, that's right. I'm alone and I'm sad. Oh yeah. So I like that. I like the breadcrumbs of like Emma and hook. Like I told you, I, I was on board with Emma and hook when I first watched it. Like <laughs> I ate those breadcrumbs up and I'm doing it again. <laughs> I fall right in that trap. I know what's coming. I just fall into that trap every single time. Uh, so yeah, blah episode. Yeah, and I mean, I'm kind of not really looking forward to next week's either because it is quite a common fairy, which is the Tinkerbell thing. And I know it involves Regina and I'm pretty sure it involves the man with the lion tattoo and that whole thing that was just one of those weird boring filler episodes I don't care about. So, I mean, we're... We're, we're, we're moving into pan territory. I know we've got some good stuff coming up. I remember some of the more exciting things in the pan storyline. Uh, but for now, it's like they got there and now I feel like they don't know what to do with it. Yeah, this is the scramble part. This is the, ooh, we got to get everything. We can't do it all at once because I feel like they're so close to doing the other shoe is going to drop on like three different storylines. But they can't. So they've just been like, we'll stretch. Stretch for time. Stretch, stretch, stretch it out. Bamp, bamp, bamp. <laughs> well, guys, thank you so much for joining us for this latest episode of Once Upon a Timing. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
we want to thank our wonderful patrons. We're going to be uh, doing a new a bonus episode for you guys this week. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, or it might be next week because I do have to go out of town on business. So this week or next week, it'll be one of these two weeks. Uh, but I do want to also send a special thank you to our Snow Queen patrons. That's Daisha Thompson, Patrick Stevens, Jacob Fulcalt, Philip Korn, Samantha Hussle, Brian Sanina, Lisa Slack, Lindsay Alice Halleck, Paul, and Ryan Gregorikos. Thank you so much for being our wonderful, amazing patrons. And we love you so much. The best. If you are interested in becoming a patron as well, you can go to patreon.com slash OUA timing. You can subscribe and join our wonderful Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash OUA timing. You can follow us on Twitter at OUA timing. I am personally at Beth Elderkin. I am at just underscore Abby. And we will be back next week with quite a common fairy, but not so common at all, is she? I don't know. I don't remember. It's a big energy. Big energy for an episode that you're already disappointed about. I'm, I'm just don't. We're, we're going to. Trying to we're hype yourself it. up for next You know, week. who knows? Maybe this is like the best episode of the season and I'm just, I, I, I'm setting myself up for a disappointment Whatever. that does not exist. I don't remember anything about the, uh, the Tinkerbell storyline. I just know that I hate the Robin Hood tattoo so much. So much. I just remember this is one of those many opportunities where they had Regina as she's becoming the evil queen. And they're like, you can step away and you can live a normal life. And then she's like, nah, though. And then she doesn't. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. Why are we Why are we looking into these options that did not matter at all? But then that also happened in this episode with Snow and Charming. But Charming <laughs> insisted on having money. I need, damn it, Charming. You're such a gold digger. <sighs> He, he got the taste of fame by pretending to be his brother and pretending to be a prince. He's never going to let that go. He's tasted the sweet, sweet nectar. Grumpy, Grumpy knew what he was talking about. Yeah. Charmy's got a dark he, side. I just want Grumpy to like come running in. It's a gold digger! <laughs> <laughs> it's the curse! The curse is money! Money's, the, money's the real curse. Just Grumpy sitting there just drinking a beer, just being like, more money, more problems. Am I right, buddy? <laughs> all right thank you everyone for joining us and abby we will see you next week see you next week beth lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.